Hello Year 11s, um, Miss Meeks here, just going to do a podcast uh, discussing sort of the significance of the end of the play uh, and in spectacles and the, um, the sort of unanswered questions. Um, obviously what you want to be thinking about this whole time is what is the play really about and you know have you missed something? Because at, at the end of the story there are so many unanswered questions uh, it's frustrating even, you know, even to me who's read this a million times over because there are so many different interpretations. Um, so some people might be frustrated by the fact that it's not exactly clear whether or not Inspector Ghoul was a real inspector and whether Eva and Daisy is the same person um, and whether the Burling family actually did contribute to this particular person's death. So it's important to examine why Priestley might choose to leave some of these questions unanswered. Um, and it won't be because he couldn't think of an ending. Um, so the first thing that we're going to look at is, was Inspector Ghoul real? Um, ultimately, it doesn't matter whether the Inspector Ghoul was a real inspector or not. The reason Priestley leaves this question unanswered is likely because it's not really what the play is about. By having the audience and, of course, the Bur the Burlings question whether or not Ghoul was real um, and whether or not the family are actually on trial, it just kind of draws us to the actions and the attitudes of the characters regardless of the outcome. Um, and that's, that's the point, really. It doesn't matter whether Eva Smith died or whether Eva Smith of Mr Burling was the same... Um, as the person that his son later impregnated. The point is, is that they did these things that affected a person and they didn't feel any responsibility about it. Um, so ultimately, it doesn't matter if you get caught uh, committing your crime or not. You've done the crime, you should feel guilty about it. Um, and you should take responsibility. Obviously, Priestley's emphasis on responsibility is a huge theme in the whole play. Um, so someone like Sheila um, says that it, it, you know, she doesn't think it matters at all. It was the same with Eric. You know, they did these things to these people um, and they should feel bad whether it turned out that the whole thing was a hoax or not, which obviously is what we kind of have at the sort of what we think is the end is when we find out that there's no real inspector. Um, and then obviously later there comes that phone call. Um she So Sheila believes that Eva was unfairly sacked and therefore feels guilt regardless of what happens. Priestley, a very well-known socialist, is suggesting that the lesson that should be learnt is one of social responsibility. We need to take responsibility for our behaviour towards others because that's the right thing to do. Um, and we do it not because we're worried about who will catch us doing otherwise. Um... It's actually an important question that kind of goes on with the idea of morality and God um, because, you know, some people argue that um, morality comes from God and if there isn't a God, then you wouldn't have morality. But actually, it's something, shouldn't you do good things just because you want to be a good person, not because you fear sort of God's punishment of hell, um, etc. Interesting sort of side note there. So another question is, what is the significance of the photographs? Obviously, he um, 
he he has with him a photograph that he shows one person at a time. And and when he's questioned, I think by Gerald about that, he says, well, yes, that's my how I like to do my lines of inquiry. But again, we don't know upon reflection whether actually he's showing the same photograph to the different members of the family. Again, it doesn't matter. What the Burlings did, they did to a person. It doesn't matter if it was the same young girl. It's very unfortunate if it is, but that ties in with the mystery surrounding Ghoul's identity. The Burlings each treated somebody badly, and it doesn't matter if they were all part of this chain or events or not. The point is, is that we need to take responsibility for our actions and look after one another. Um, the inspector makes this message very clear in his final speech. He says, we are members of one body. We are responsible for each other. Um, and that kind of directly um, juxtaposes uh, Mr. Burling's idea where he is saying in Act 1 about this silly idea. I mean, I don't know if you've heard Mr. McGowan's fantastic rendition of Mr. Burling, but it's something like, we are all responsible for each other. No, no, this is a silly notion. It sounds um, something like that. Um, so Mr. Burling obviously is completely opposing the inspector there. With He thinks that the idea is uh, absolute nonsense. And that's obviously because he embodies a capitalist persona, you know, someone that wants to strive for their own success and isn't really concerned with the welfare of, of, the, uh, of the, the rest of society. Um... Eric never reveals the name of the girl he met and Mrs. Burling only knew the girl by the name she calls herself, which was also Mrs. Burling. It's possible that it was a different girl who they all met, but ultimately it makes no difference as they still treated a girl, any girl, in the way that they did. And that's really the message here. The photographs are a device which prompt the audience and the characters to consider whether or not Eva and Daisy are the same person and whether or not each of the Burling has in some way had an effect on the same girl. Um, some of the characters try and see the picture but the inspector never allows it. It's, it's one of the ways in which he constantly keeps control of the situation. He makes them wait their turn. Something that actually as, a, as an upper class family, um, none of them are really particularly used to being told what to do or not having control. Um, in the same way that, you know, the working class people wouldn't really have control over their situation, the inspector's putting the Burlings through that. Um, it's Gerald near the end of the play who questions whether or not the inspector is real and whether or not they've been questioned about the same girl. Eric and Sheila remain distraught. It doesn't matter whether he's an inspector. It doesn't matter whether they're talking about the same girl. They are now aware of what they have done and feel that responsibility. Um, massively representing the, the younger generation the, um, and the way that Priestley wants people to be moving forward. Um... So Mr and Mrs Burling, when they think about the possibility of, of the inspector being fake um, or the whole thing being a hoax, they're instantly sort of, oh, they're relieved. Um, all responsibility has just flown straight off their shoulders. And again, this sort of represents how the, how the older generations were just so stuck in their ways and, you know, they can't. Mr. Burling's clearly more concerned about how this is going to affect his reputation than than the sort of um, impact it might have had on on some poor person.
Um, then we've got this telephone call at the very end of the play. So the tension that uh, Priestley is creating is really, um, we're kind of, we're very, very tense. Then we think it might be the hoax. So we, everyone's, um, well, the elder generation are, are a bit relieved and, oh gosh, they really had us, didn't they? Um, and then we've got this phone call and the audience then are, should be extremely on the edge of their seats. Um, because it seems like the tension has been reduced when they find out that there's there's no Inspector Ghoul on the force in Rumley and no girl is in the infirmary having committed suicide. Um, but then we've got this real uh, clincher with the telephone call. This structure might be considered frustrating for some members of the audience or some readers. Um, so you want to think about why Priestley has chosen to do this. Um if we look again at his final speech, um, I think Mr. Neal's got this posted somewhere on his wall in his house. But um, the time will soon come when if men will not learn the, that lesson, then it will be taught in fire and blood and anguish. Good night. So this really sort of might foreshadow the events that are coming with uh, the world wars, which obviously Priestley would know. Um, but his characters would it. Um, uh, one example of the sort of dramatic irony that he uses throughout. But just to recap, Priestley's suggesting that the people have the choice whether or not they learn the less lessons of social responsibility. If they're going to refuse to help each other and remain selfish in their in their life, ultimately, they're not going to get away with it. Fire, blood and anguish could also be a direct reference to hell. Um Basically, he wants people to stop being ignorant and um, thinking that they can't do something to help. You can do something to help. Um, and if people refuse to accept responsibility for anyone other than themselves, this attitude could end in the horror of war um, or hell. Um, so even though Eric, Sheila and to some extent Gerald, Gerald accept responsibility for their actions... Um, the final phone call where the Burlings learn that a girl has now died after drinking disinfectant and is on her way to the infirmary supports the ideas proposed by the inspector in his final speech. It seems the lesson of social responsibility is completely inescapable. Um, and that's really what he's securing in his ending there. Men and women alike are going to be first to, forced to learn this lesson and and sure enough, even when they think that they've gotten away with it, um, the Burlings are going to have to face the consequences of their actions. Another thing that you want to think of is whether this play is really about the Burling family. Um, the answer is no. They're all symbols. Um, the Burlings, Eva Smith, Inspector Gould. The Burlings represent the wealthy people in society um, who Priestley, you know, severely criticises as selfish and concerned with, you know, their own reputations and money. The younger characters are the young people that are more um, impressionable and they're capable of learning this lesson of social responsibility and changing their ways. This offers um, hope to the audience that, um, that the things that they've just lived through, remember this is just after um, the world wars, where they're trying to rebuild their futures, um, Priestley's kind of saying if we educate young people they can um, they will make a better society as they grow up 
which is actually quite a nice, nice message that he's leaving. Um, obviously, Mr. and Mrs. Burling represent the older, wealthy citizens who are capable of being cruel and less likely to change their ways. Um, so Priestley might well be proposing that we focus on educating the young and making them realise the need to take responsibility for their actions rather than sort of wasting our times on the older generations. Eva Smith obviously represents the working class, um, not only women but men too, but of course the fact that she's a, a woman therefore sort of highlights again the the, um, the issues that the women would have had compared to the men. Um, as the inspector says, one Eva Smith has gone, but there are millions and millions of Eva Smiths and John, John Smiths still left with us. This quote really emphasises the fact that the story isn't about Eva, to, but it's to make us realise how many people are suffering and suffering in our society. And that's a message actually that carries now. Um, so we should be aware of their struggling and we should be trying to do whatever we can wherever possible. Uh, one of these terms that's been knocked about, if you've listened to the student podcast, is about um, the Burling family being a microcosm for society. And what that means really is um, when we see something on a small scale, so the different fractions of society are all represented there. We've got the working class with Eva, we've got um, you know, the voice of the inspector trying to make change, we've got, um, and then obviously the, the upper class and um, the values that they hold dear. Um, so his main message um, is that is social responsibility. I think you're not going to ever have a question where that won't be important. If it's a question on uh, the men versus women, again, social responsibility. If it's on the age gap, social responsibility. If it's on um, any particular character, it will be how they... Um, how they uh, react to his message. Um, so yeah, I think that the ending really uh, has, not only is it extremely dramatic, but um, those unanswered questions are there so that the audience are thinking. Um, in the same way, I suppose, when, you, when we get you to use rhetorical questions for your persuasion, so that people are thinking about what the answer might be. I guess it's the same here. They're, they're thinking about why, um, you know, everything that's still hanging in the air is because I, I guess the world is still hanging in the air. It hasn't been made into its final mould yet. And um, the answers are for us to make um, and us to move society forward and us to take care of people. Okay, hope that helped. Um, 